let's all stand for the reading of God's word. Something great is going to happen in your life today. Can you say amen to that? Say this with me. With God, all things are possible. Say it again. With God, all things are possible. Now, would you just lift one hand? Father, I decree and declare you're going to do something great in the lives of these, your people. And there are people in this building today that are looking at situations that they would deem impossible. But with you, all things are possible. And we thank you, Lord, that you're getting involved now. Your hand is involved. Your heart is involved. And I thank you, God, that you're working everything out for their good. In Jesus' name. If you believe that, would you give God a big praise right now all over the building? I'm going to begin a series this morning that is entitled The Shake. Can you say those two words with me? The Shake. Um, and we're going to talk about things removed, things that remain, and things that we receive. And we're going to go through this series over the next three weeks. This morning we're going to start with the idea of things removed. Hebrews chapter 12, please. And Hebrews chapter 12 is a very interesting chapter it starts with let us fix our eyes on jesus i'll read that to you in just a moment and it ends with everything that can be shaken will be shaken <laughs> it starts with let us fix our eyes on jesus it ends with everything that can be shaken will be shaken hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer or the author and the finisher or perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You see, there's a difference. God showed me this last week. There's a difference in growing old and growing weary. Growing old is inevitable. Growing weary is a choice. Whew. When God was dealing with me about this, these words came back to my mind that you are discovering your destiny more than you are deciding your destiny. God told Abram to go to a land I will show you. He didn't tell him where that land was. He just said go. The Lord spoke to me and said these words. In your discovery, God is about to give you a recovery. In your discovery, God is about to give you a recovery. Hmm. Your destiny is only jeopardized when you quit the journey. 
Your destiny is only jeopardized when you quit the journey. So do this. Put excitement back in the adventure. Put excitement back in the adventure and be ready for renewed strength. Be ready for renewed strength. Somebody shouted with me, I'm about to recover some things. Mm -hmm. Lord, hallelujah, I love you. The writer says in the first few verses, he says, now I want you to run. And when you run, he says, throw off the sin that so easily entangles. I'm going to address this one time. Everybody has their sin. That one, everyone deals with that one. And it only takes that one to, de to derail you and to distract you and to ultimately delay you. I'll leave that resting. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12 now, skip down to verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, somebody shout the church, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. You have come to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. Is anyone in this building excited that your name is written in the book of life? You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing, circle that word, indicate the removing of what can be shaken. That is created things. So that what cannot be shaken may remain. Circle that word. Verse 28, therefore since we are receiving, circle that word, a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. One version reads verse 26 on this wise, and then you may be seated. Once and for all, I will not only shake the systems of the world. Once and for all, I will not only shake the systems of the world but also the unseen powers in the heavenly realm. Look at three people around you and tell them the shake is on. The shake is on. Let us pray one more time. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. Lord, allow it to be explosive in our life today and excite our souls for the revelation we are about to receive. We thank you, God, that obstacles are being removed even now. 
And I thank you, Lord God, that people are being delivered, restored, refreshed, and renewed even now. Let the anointing do its work among us. Have your way. Anointing, break every yoke and set every person free today. We bind every generational spirit. We resist and rebuke every generational curse. Father, have your way. Move in our hearts today. Move in our lives today. We give you free reign. Do what you want to do in our hearts and in this house. In the name of Jesus. If you want the Lord to touch you real good today, would you give him one more praise just before you, just before you sit down? Come on, give somebody a fist pump and tell them it's on in the building. It's on in the building. Psalm 62 verse 6 says, Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. Psalm 62 6, Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. He is my fortress. Say it with me. I will not be shaken. Say it again. I will not be shaken. Hebrews chapter 12 is a powerful chapter in the New Testament. The whole chapter represents this, this idea of transition from old covenant thinking and theology to new covenant thinking and theology. And we'll say that again because you need to let that rest in your heart. Hebrews chapter 12 is a powerful chapter. The whole chapter is dedicated to new covenant thinking. It talks to us about the transition from old covenant theology to new covenant theology. It compares and gives contrast to things that are temporal versus things that are eternal. It's dedicated to introduce to you things that are temporal versus things that are eternal. In Hebrews chapter 12, our text in verse 27 and 28 says, yet once more, these words signify the removing of those things that are shaken. That those things which cannot be shaken may remain. We are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken or moved. Let us have grace and serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, things that are removed, things that remain, things we receive, the shake, the shake. If you haven't noticed, in the last year and a half, there's a whole lot of shaking going on. The word once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, what may be shaken. If it can be shaken, it needs to be removed. Yeah. If it can be shaken, it needs to be removed. That things that can be shaken should be what? Removed. Shaken means to waver. It has this idea of double-mindedness. <laughs> this way one day and this way the next day. 
Nothing galvanized, nothing concrete, nothing sure, nothing certain. Things that can be shaken to waver, to be agitated by the very vibration of trouble. That when trouble shows up and even vibrates, things begin to be agitated or shaken by trouble. <laughs> There's a difference between a shake up and a shake down. <laughs> the shaking that Hebrews chapter 12 refers to is the shaking of false security. I just previously mentioned to you that the difference between a shake-up and a shake-down is on this wise. A shake-up is when a corporation or a company is going through turmoil and the personnel has to be rearranged. That's a shake-up. There's been a lot of shake-ups in the last year and a half. Shake-ups. But a shake-down is different. Some of you policemen know about that. A shakedown is when there is a search to find something. And when I start reading these, these definitions, I begin to realize that the church is in a shakedown. Yeah. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that that which can be shaken shall be removed. I dare you to throw your head back and holler, remove it, Lord, remove it. Y'all didn't really say it. Throw your head back and shout it again. Remove it, Lord. Remove what? Remove anything in my life Ooh, that can be shaken. Shakedown in nautical terms is interesting. It has to do with the building of a ship in which the performance of that ship is tested. I'm going to read it to you just like I studied it. Generally, shakedown cruises were known as sea trials. And they are performed before a ship can enter its service or after major changes, such as a crew change, such as a repair or an overhaul. The shakedown cruise or the sea trial simulates working conditions for the vessel for various reasons. For most new ships, the major reasons are to familiarize the crew with the new vessel and to ensure all of the ship's systems that they are properly functioning. The ship is typically not committed to any task until it completes the shakedown crew. is proven seaworthy. The shakedown cruise or the sea trouble is not only undertaken to test the ship, but also to test the crew. God has the church in a shakedown. Let me help you. The ship's gonna make it. The ship is the church. The church ain't going down. The church cannot die. The church cannot fail. The church cannot lose power. 
The Lord ain't worried about the church. He's checking the crew status. Luke chapter 8, verse 22 through 25, I won't read it, but you know the story that it happened on a certain day that Jesus got into a ship with his disciples. And he said to them, let us go to the other side. And they launched out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep, and a shakedown started. A windstorm came up, and they were being filled with water, and they were in jeopardy. And they came to him and woke him up saying, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased and there was a calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? If he said, we're going to the other side, then come hell or we're going to the other side. But he took them into a storm that he knew already existed. Because he knew that the tossing to and fro, the shakedown was going to happen. And the purpose of the shakedown was for them to locate their faith. Lord, help us today. I believe that we are in a shakedown in this hour because God is asking the crew, which is you and me, where is your faith? If your faith is on anything else other than the word I gave you, which was we are going to the other side, then you're going to lose your mind playing Jeopardy. But when you got your faith in the word that he all, we not riding the ship, y'all. We riding the word. The ship's going to make it. The crew is being tested. I was listening to a fantastic message by one of my favorite preachers the other day, Pastor Tony Evans. And I'm going to read it just like he gave it. He said, God shakes things up to attack idolatry. <laughs> and when God places heat on our lives, he's burning things up so he can restore it again. God shakes our physical human reality to get us spiritually back on point. In your life, and my life, and my ministry, and your ministry, when God wants to do something different, he will create a contradictory crisis. He goes on to say, when God wants to uproot the ordinary and bring about the extraordinary, he shakes things up. When God has decided that we have become too comfortable, he shakes things up. So I'm reading this and I thought, Lord, how do we bring this down to a personal level? In our personal lives, it indicates that you really do not know what is to be permanently in your life until you go through a shaking. I'm going to say that again. 
in your personal life, this indicates that you really don't know what's to be permanently in your life until there is a shaking. The shaking reveals to you what is permanent versus not permanent. And I thought to myself, there's a lot of removing that has to happen. The shaking happens so that things that are shaken can be removed. Strong. Some of you have heard this phrase before. It's more than a cliche. If it's part of your destiny, it cannot leave you. If it's not part of your destiny, it cannot stay with you. Things that remove themselves. Some things you don't have to remove. Some things God don't have to remove. Some things will just dismiss themselves from your life. Some things being some people. John the apostle known as John the lover. He's the love disciple. He was the kind one. You know, Peter was impetuous, would cuss a little bit on the side. But John, he just wanted to lay his head on Jesus' breast. He's sweet and kind. And John, with his kind self, said in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, little children, it is the last time and as you have heard, that Antichrist will come. Even now are there many Antichrists. Oh, wait a minute now. Whereby we know that it is the last time. Huh. They went out from us, but they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not of us. Let's deal with this. Let's break this down. Antichrist, an, op an opponent of the anointed one and his anointed. Antichrist, an opponent of the anointed one and his anointed. There is a spirit of hanging out without commitment. It is what we call association without connection. That relationship is being exposed in this hour. Your associations versus your connections. Those of an antichrist spirit recognize the spirit of God. But they will oppose his blessing and his anointing on people they don't like. God never asks anybody about their vote for who he chooses. If that was the case, none of us would be here. So sweet John, the lover, 
says there were people that re were removed from us, they removed themselves. And he said if they belonged to us, they'd still be with us. But the mere fact that they left us tells us they don't belong to us. I said he's sweet. We want to take that scripture and fight with people over it. He's being kind. Watch what I'm saying to you. Friends that leave your life does not mean they are enemies of your destiny. Because people leave does not make them your enemy. It just means they belong somewhere else. Come on in this building here. Because they don't belong with you doesn't make them the devil. Doesn't make them a sinner. Doesn't make them rebellious. It just means they belong somewhere else. There's a shaking going on. And the purpose of shaking is to get everybody in the place they belong. Don't fuss. Don't take it personal. Don't let your heart hurt. Bless those. Be kind. Say good stuff. It's a quiet church this morning at First Baptist over here in Norman. <laughs> things that remove themselves. And then there are things we must remove. See, you will never receive certain things if other certain things are not removed from your life. God don't remove everything for you. Sometimes he tells you to remove it yourself. Is that scriptural? Isaiah 62 and verse 10 will tell you, build up, build up the highway. Watch what he says. Your responsibility is to remove the stones. Remove the stones. Stones in the Hebrew is weights. Different kinds of weights. Remove the weights. Hmm. What is that? Things that weigh us down. Hebrews chapter 12 in our text, verses 1 and 2. He says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin. Come on in this building, Pastor Rick. Let us lay aside what? Every what? Weight. He didn't say he's going to pull it off you. He said you lay it down. There's a difference in weights and sin. I think we better at dealing with sin than we are weights. Sins are clear. I mean, he lays it out there for you. If you're committing adultery, you're sinning. If you're lying, you're sinning. If you're fornicating, you're sinning. If you're gossiping, you're sinning. If you're hating, you're sinning. Pretty clear. But he don't really define these weights. You got to dig a little bit to find out what that is. Because weights means something that makes you bend because of the load you carry in. Let us lay aside the weights means two things, burdens and hindrances. Burdens and hindrances. A burden is something that is carried, that is oppressive and causes worry. A burden makes you worry. Jesus said in Mark 4, 18, I'm gonna get some help in this building. 
And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the worries of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. The worries, the weights, the first definition of a weight is worry. <laughs> to experience anxiety and concern. Worry implies a persistent attack that drives someone into desperation and ultimately depression. Depression is at an all-time high in this nation. I went to my doctor the other day. One of the first medical questions he asked me is, are you depressed? I thought, what does that have to do with anything physical you see in here? Are you depressed? And I looked at him and I said, do I look depressed? He said, it doesn't matter how you look. He said, I have treated depression, heart disease from depression over the last two years more than I have in 25 years of studying medicine. Because depression in this nation is at an all-time high. Three million people a year are suffering from panic disorders, anxiety attacks, and depression. Depression is, what is depression, Pastor Rick? Some of y'all are dealing with it, you don't even know it. Persistent sadness. Depression is the feeling of emptiness. It's a sense of hopelessness. It's the feeling of perpetual guilt. And it all results in a lack of interest in things that really matter in life. I'm amazed at how many people are depressed. But here's what's interesting. The statistic doesn't change from the church to the world. There's as many people depressed in the church per the ratio as there is in the world. Depression medication is probably in many of your cabinets right now. Now here, I'm not, I'm not scolding you. I'm not scolding you because depression is nothing to play with. People kill themselves because of depression. Suicide happens because of depression. Depression is not something you play with. The person sitting on your right or your left could be suffering from depression and you don't even know it. And we've talked about depression so flippantly in the last few decades, we treat it like it's nothing. Depression is real. Two of this nation's largest pastors, the largest churches in this nation have gone through intensive counseling for depression in the last eight months. You've got more people than you can count and you're depressed. You got more resources than you know what to do with as a ministry and you're suffering from depression. Depression is real. Depression lurks, waiting for an opportunity to capitalize on your disappointment. Depression will keep you awake at night and make you sleep in the day. Depression is real. real. That's why Peter said, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your care, cast all your worries on him for he cares for you. 
Cast all your anxiety on him. The Greek tense here indicates a complete casting of one's anxiety. Once and for all, I cast it on God. Hmm. Weights, burdens. The second word is hindrances, things that slow you down, things that make progress difficult. Some examples of hindrances in your life are relationships or associations that tend to corrupt your good morals. Preach here, Pastor Rick. Another hindrance in your life is debt. Debt will always challenge financial blessing. Habits that are ungodly. Habits that debilitate you. Remove the stones. Remove the weights. What weights? Burdens and hindrances. He didn't say I'm going to remove them. He said you remove them. Many of us are asking God for a miracle. Lord, remove this from me. And God's saying just do the right stuff. You lay them aside. Quit carrying the burden of things you can't accomplish by yourself. Oh, Lord. It's not in yourself to fix yourself. The Bible talks about the woman that was bent over for 18 years, and the Bible says in no way could she lift up herself. Can I help y'all today? You cannot help yourself. You got to throw it on God and say, God, help me with this addiction. Help me with this depression. Help me with this discouragement. Help me with this debilitation. Help me, Lord. Throw it on him. God is good, isn't he? Isaiah chapter 5 verse 1 says, I will sing for the one I love. I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. Don't miss this. He dug it up and what did he do? He cleared it of all the stones and then he planted choice vines. When I read that, I thought if we're going to experience growth and fruitfulness, we have to get rid of all hindrances. We have to get rid of all burdens that we can't bear. Hindrances do not really stop your purpose. Hindrances delay your purpose. A hindrance doesn't cancel your destiny. It slows you down in your destiny. So I started saying, Lord, give me some Holy Ghost word here. You know, give me, I did some good practical stuff. But what about some faith Holy Ghost field word? And the Lord brought my attention today on my drive from Blanchard to this church. I called Josh and said, drop this in my notes. The Lord spoke to me. And he said, at some point, my people have to fortify their faith. And the only way they're going to get rid of weights, hindrances, and burdens is through faith. He says in Mark eleven twenty three, for I say unto you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, shall, know, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he says. So you need to look at your mountain of depression and tell it, be removed. Look at your, doubt, your mountain of doubt and say, be removed. Look at your mountain of discouragement and shout, be removed. Whatever you say is what you'll see. 
Stop saying I'm depressed. Stop saying I'm discouraged. Stop saying I'm going to get divorced. Stop saying I'm down and out. Start saying I'm up and I'm overcoming. Start saying I'm wealthy. I'm healthy. I'm wise. Whatever you say is what you're going to see. And if you want some stuff to be removed to your life, you've got to speak to it. Wake up every morning, let your feet hit the ground and say, discouragement, you are not welcome in my life today. Depression, you're not welcome in my mind today. I wish I had 60 sanctified Holy Ghost people that were saved. Tell your neighbor, say something. Some stuff don't move until you speak to it. So there are some things you have to remove out of your life. Some things remove themselves, but some things you have to remove. And you remove some things by speaking to it. Lord, have mercy here. Oh, Lord, have mercy here. Hey, Jesus. I wish I had a Holy Ghost. Somebody, tell your neighbor, say something. There are things that remove themselves. There are things you're responsible to remove yourself. And some things are not moving until you say something to it. Boy, I wish I had time to give you the etymology of the word mountain in this context. When Jesus says speak to the mountain, the word is suspense. Speak to the thing that keeps you in suspense. You know what COVID's got the whole world in? Suspense. You know what all this stuff got? Everybody is suspended. Suspended means you're not active. Suspense keeps you in the mode of wondering what might happen. I came by to tell you, exit your suspense and enter into your speech. You got something to say about what's going on. Shout it, I've got something to say about it. When the church loses its faith, it loses its future. We gotta come back at this thing with boldness, with confidence, with courage. Stop acting like we not sure and we not certain. Anything that can be shaken should be removed. Stop wavering in your faith. Stop being double-minded if God can do it, if God will do it. God said he would do whatever you ask of him. Say it and you'll see it. Don't lose your faith. I'll complete it. Things that remove themselves. Things, man, I feel the Holy Ghost here. If you don't feel it, you ain't got it. Things that remove themselves. Things that we remove ourselves. And then finally, things that God removes. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken. Stop requesting God to allow you to keep what he has decided to remove. Say that one more time, Pastor Rick. 
Stop requesting God to allow you to keep what he has decided to remove. Samuel comes to Bethlehem with a horn of oil. He walks right in Jesse's house. And he says, how long will you mourn? How long are you going to cry over what I have removed? Listen to Pastor Rick. Let it go. It ain't here no more. And it ain't coming back. So quit making yourself miserable. Stop requesting God to allow you to keep what he has decided to remove. Number two, God removes things or people that you refuse to remove yourself. God gives you a chance. God gives you an opportunity. And if he knows it's detrimental to your destiny and you don't remove it, he will remove it himself. Number three, God only removes what you do not need. He will never remove, remove something that you need. God only remo removes what you do not need. He will never remove something that you need. If he removed it, you didn't. If he removed it, you didn't need it. Because if you needed it, he would have never removed it. Number four. When God removes something from your life, he only does it because he has something better in store. Come on in this building. Man, that'll make somebody right there shout. When God removes something from your life, he only does it because he has something better in store. If you ever get that revelation, you'll learn the wonderful art of saying goodbye. You won't be saying goodbye with a tear in your eye. You'll be saying goodbye with a shout in your mouth because you'll know that one's leaving, but the one that's coming, my God, have mercy here. This is leaving, but that that is coming is so great, I cannot compose myself. <laughs> I dare you to throw your head back and shout one more time, remove it, Lord, remove it. Oh, you should do the study. He removes things that can be shaken. It means things that you have established in your life or things that you have personally instituted in your life that is not beneficial to your purpose. Whew. Boy, you know Jesus had a way of shaking things up and shaking things down. So he goes into the temple. And what's he do? He starts kicking over tables and throwing down chairs. Now those tables and chairs were set in that temple as a permanent position. And then he told the people when he was kicking these tables and chairs over that were moving vessels, don't move the vessels. Vessels were put there to be moved. Tables and chairs were put there not to be moved. Jesus comes in and says, move what's not supposed to be moving and stop moving stuff that's supposed to be moving. You know what Jesus is doing right now in the church? 
shaking it up. And he's saying the things you thought were stationary, I'm now removing. The things you instituted as your religion and established as your way, I'm tearing that down. And now I'm about to move stuff you thought would never move and stuff that you thought would move all the time is going to stop moving. In other words, I'm turning this thing inside out. This is what we call reformation. So I said, Lord, I thank you for removing everything from my life that can be shaken so that those things that cannot be shaken shall remain. Psalm 62, verse 8. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, watch this, where I will not be shaken. He is my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, my people, trust God at all times. Pour out your heart to God, for God is our refuge. Listen, God makes promises about stuff that he will remove from your life. And he makes promises that, about stuff that he will never remove from your life. Can I read it to you just to encourage you today? Isaiah 54, 10. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed. Watch what God says. Yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. And my covenant of peace will not be removed. Two things God said will never be removed from your life. His love and his peace. His love is unconditional. He will never remove his love from your life. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done, he loves you at all times. Ooh, Jesus. And he said, I will never remove my covenant of peace from you. A person that is stationary and refuses to be shaken is living in a perpetual peace that only the prince can provide. He's the prince of peace. Folks, of all people in the world, the people of God ought to be at peace right now. We should be at peace right now. Hmm. I'll finish on this one. Because I'm going to make sure you got plenty of word. <laughs> Psalm 46 verse 1. God is our refuge and strength. He's a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth be Removed, And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, pause, think about it. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. 
Who? His city, his people, his church. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her and he shall help her right early. Removal isn't always pleasant, but it always has a purpose. Removal isn't always pleasant, but it always has a purpose. I was thinking the other day about the extraction of a tooth. <laughs> Why would you pull a tooth? Because it's causing pain. And I realized something that sometimes God takes us through the process of extraction because even though you're not feeling it, the cavity is there. And over time, you're going to regret leaving it in there. When it gets into the root, it's gone too far. There's only one, one option, and that is to extract the tooth. And sometimes we fight with God. Don't take it out. Don't take it because it's going to look like something is missing. And we don't want that appearance that we've lost something and something else is gone. And God said, I am in the removal business right now. I am removing everything from your life that's ultimately going to cause you pain. I'm going to remove everything from your life that does not serve your purpose. I'm removing it. If you don't remove it yourself, I'll remove it for you. But it's got to be removed. And our text says today, he will remove everything that can be shaken. You don't want to be in a foxhole with somebody scared to death. You hearing me? In this time we're living in, you don't want to be standing by somebody that's what are we going to do? What are we going to do? You want somebody standing next to you that says, we got this. I got you. You got me. Let's get back to back and fight like heaven. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? Everything that can't. So don't be freaked out when you turn around and the one that was in that foxhole with you is gone because everything that can be shaken needs to be removed. Everything that wavers, double-minded, not certain, needs to be removed.